Okay, I'm Clara Moranville. I'm glad that you guys are all here. And um, I get to um, encourage us in the fast. We've been moving along, and God has been doing some awesome things. Um, I've been getting some reports that are so exciting. I just can hardly wait. I hope that they're all going to share today. If they don't, oh well. But, um, you know, when we started the fast, um, gosh, it's been how many days? We're not supposed to be counting. <laughs> 26 days. Okay, I remember um, right before the devotional of this uh, last Sunday, that week ago, I remember thinking, okay, how many more days left? Then I read the devotional and got pegged. You're not supposed to be counting. I'm like, yeah, that's right, and that's what we're counting. So it just seems like it's very appropriate. Whatever we're fasting and praying about and whatever scripture we're reading that day seems very appropriate. And if you are, like, out of the loop, right on the counter on the way out, there are still some fast booklets and scripture reading. And just... Hop in where we are. It's got the date, and you can just start now. It's, you'll feel the presence of something very different as you enter in t- with us into this corporate fast. Anyway, um, the goal of it was to make us more sensitive seekers. And this week, as I've been hearing reports from different folks, it seems like what's occurring is that people are becoming more sensitive to seekers. And so there have been some very interesting opportunities, and I'm hoping... Uh, that they'll have opportunity to share. But does anybody want to share something that's happened to them personally or an encounter they've had that seems to be connected to what we're fasting and praying about? I want to open it up to any volunteers. Okay. This is Blake McKay. Yay. Hi. Um, I went to a dance hall about five, six weeks ago, and there was a mechanical bull there. And, of course, you know, I had to ride it. And uh, I felt a lot, well, thrown off. And um, my right forearm was not the same for several weeks. It was bothering me during swim practice. And uh, this morning, for the first time in about five weeks, I was able to swim uh, without any pain. And give that to the glory of God. That's good. And that's important if you're a swimmer to be able to swim. I mean, it's not just like, let's go swimming. He's a swimmer, swimmer. Okay, anyone else? Okay, well, um, Martha, you wanting to share? Yes. I knew she was, but she was busy back there. Uh, while she's coming up, I just want to share quickly what happened to um, my daughter, one of our daughters. We have five of them. Number one. She's flying to California to visit my mom, her grandmother. And um, she's been fasting and praying and wanting to be more sensitive to the Lord. And there's this gal sitting next to her in the airplane and um, she's thinking, okay, she's got the iPod on. She's got her book open. Obviously, she doesn't want to talk. <laughs> you get these uh, nonverbal communications. And um, so Joy's just kind of waiting to see if this is going to have an opportunity. So she starts praying, asking the Lord, Lord, is there anything you want me to talk to her about if I would get an opportunity? And so she heard the Lord tell her very clearly, mother and sister. What about the mother and sister? Nothing. Okay, great. So as you're landing, you know, you have to detach yourself from all those electronical stimulations. And so the girl had to detach herself from those. And that was Joy's opportunity. She goes, so hi, so um, are you on your way um, back home? They were landing on to Denver. And she goes, yeah. Okay, so uh, were you visiting? Yep. 
And, okay. And she goes, yeah, I was visiting my mom and my sister. And so the joy's like, okay. I was hearing from God. Okay, all right. So, okay, Lord, give me more. And she was a real short conversation from the other person. She wasn't throwing the basketball back and forth. It was like throw, drop, throw, drop. So finally, they're standing up to get out of the ramp. And she's saying, Lord, is there anything else? He says, uh... Her major, her major. I don't know. She goes to school, her major. And so she's like, okay, how do I bring up? Do you go to school? Blah, blah, blah. So she said, uh, then she heard the Lord say, tell her that she's made the right decision. So she, we're waiting to get out. And she says, you know, I just feel like God's asked, told me to tell you that you've made the right decision. And the girl just looked at her like, whoa. And she goes, do you go to school? She goes, yeah, I do. She goes, well, God just wants you to know that you've made the right decision. And she said, the girl didn't just like, ball, but she saw her eyes get welled up with tears. And then they walked out of the airplane. And one of the things that Joy just said was, I think the Lord was dropping me these clues to let me know, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening, you're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing. Now, take a step. And uh, she felt like it was directly connected to the time of fast and prayer and meditation of Scripture, that this was a, a byproduct of that, and then also the teaching about the kingdom that Randy's been teaching to us. She just felt there was definitely a connection there, so she was really excited about about that. So... Anyway, Martha, come on. That took longer than I thought. Here you go. This is Martha. <laughs> okay, um, I had a really cool experience. Uh, it's been a couple of Fridays ago, but um, I have a coworker um, who has been having some uh, problems at home with his marriage and stuff. So he's kind of been in this place of uh, just a real hard place. Um, and uh, one Friday afternoon, as at the end of the day, we were getting ready to leave. Um, we start talking. Uh, actually, I don't know. He was t- telling me about a dream. And I told him, well, I interpret dreams. You mind if I give you an interpretation? And I gave him an interpretation. And that kind of uh, opened up a conversation uh talking about god and and stuff and and we got to talking about the bible and he's like yeah well, i've read i've read the bible before and it's never re- really made much sense and um you know uh, i've read the gospels and you know there's just a lot of inconsistencies and you know you know one gospel says one thing the other gospel says another thing and and he's just like you know i just don't really put much value in it and don't really understand it and um, and I said, well, yes, I you know I understand where you're coming from, and uh, I've heard other people say the same thing. And I said, um, I said, you know, I've never uh, said that I've known the I know the Bible back and front, or am a theologian of you know by no means. I said, but I just believe that the Bible is a tool that uh, can draw us closer to God and help us to understand Him better. Um, and I said, and I really, that's really what it's all about. It's, it's about having, knowing God and having a relationship with him. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, you're right. You know, I said, you really don't get caught up in the details, but just look at the big picture and, and just understand that it's, uh, God wants us to get to know him as, as much as he knows us. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You know, 
we do get caught up in all the details and and go back and forth, uh, you know, in arguments and and discussions and debates about things. And um, and he's like, yeah, I never thought of it like that. But you make it sound so simple. And and I was like, yeah. I said that's just what I focus on. I focus on my relationship with God. And he's like, yeah, that's that's good. He's like, thank you. I didn't. I never thought of it that way. And um, and by this time we're walking out to our car and and uh, and I and I said so. Um, oh, he tells me he's like, you know, Martha. He's like, you're such you're such a uh, you're such a well-rounded person. <laughs> and he's like, kind of like me. And we both chuckle. And uh, later on, I felt like the Holy Spirit. Um, gave me insight in what he meant by that and he what he meant was that it was really easy to talk to about supernatural things that there was really a uh, very um just common dialogue and common conversation i mean i didn't quote scripture to him and i didn't uh you know get defensive about that he didn't believe the bible or believe it completely or anything and i just kind of just shared my own experience with him uh, but I told him, I said, you know, whenever you want to talk about um, the Bible or about God, I said, you know, I'd be happy to talk to you about it whenever you like. And he's like, I'd like that. So we kind of left it at that. And since then, uh, we have continued to talk about God and prayer and, and stuff. So it's been really neat. So. Very good. Okay. Thank you. find the right one here. Hey, mine's not up here, Justin. Oh, it's over there. Okay, somebody took it away, huh? I, maybe I should tell my story. That would probably be fitting, but my penny story. Can everybody see the penny that's on this? Joseph, you did that, right, for me? Or did Benjamin do it? Benjamin did it? We'll be intrigued. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's my story. Anyway, my name is Randy. Glad to be with you. Um, I, I'm going to share a highlight or kind of something from the fast that was really cool. Uh, very cool, as a matter of fact, for me. Um, last November when we were moving uh, the church from the church facilities and moving a lot of stuff, I, I jammed my right thumb really badly. And um, it, it just was a mess, black and blue and hurting. And, and it was hurting. Uh, it never didn't hurt for months. And um, about three weeks ago, I was, the, in fact, I think it was the first week that the fast started. I meet um, once or twice a week with my next door neighbor. And he and I have been walking together or meeting together a couple mornings a week now for about a year and a half. Um, he's a becoming Christian. Uh, he's a good man, a great friend of mine. We've uh, had him over our house a bunch of times at Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff. He's a single guy, great big old house, um, needs a wife. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, needs Jesus. So anyway, um, we do the regular old kind of growth group thing. We kind of share what's going on in our lives. Uh, we read the Bible together, and uh, he asks questions never about the text we just read. It's very interesting, but I guess it's a springboard for him, so that's cool. Anyway, that one week, uh, I, I just happened to mention, you know, I have this, I'm, I'm thinking about going to the doctor and possibly getting a MRI or something on this thumb because it is just uh, not 
getting well. I mean, you, you, I've had jammed thumbs before. I'm 49, right? So, I mean, I've had that a bunch of times, but this thing was just not changing. And it was a lot of pain. I could bump it. You just bump it. It was like, choom, like a knife going in. So I said, would you pray for that? And he's a, be- he's a becoming Christian. So he uh, prayed for it. And, um, you know, went, we went on our ways. And a couple days later, we were meeting again that same week. And it came time to share our needs. And I went, my thumb's better. That was really cool. It really made him uh, excited too. So that was a a way cool. And I want to tie that to the fast and the material, the kingdom that we are talking about and thinking about. Um, For the last month or so, we have been uh, considering particularly how how is it that we're to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? How how do we live the kind of life he lived? How do we we find the way to say and do the kinds of things that he said and did? And I have suggested that we do that by using what I'm calling keys to kingdom living that God has given us in his word that when we understand and when we implement these keys, it will enable us to live the kind of life that he lived and as well the kind of life that God would have us live and the kind of life we would like to live. And so each Sunday we have been identifying and considering a variety of these keys and this afternoon I want to look at uh, another one of these keys. But before we do that, if we could pray, that would be good. God, thank you for uh, manifesting yourself and your kingdom among us. Lord, thank you that it is your desire to uh, reach those who don't yet know you and that you have left us on this planet for that task, that someday when we get to go to heaven, we won't be able to do that anymore, that this is the time and place that you have provided us to be able to reach out to others, to share the good news. Father, thank you for the reports of these um, opportunities that have been coming to us. Lord, we want to become more sensitive seekers of you. Oh, God, but would you move that we would become sensitive to seekers of you as well. Help us to have ears to hear today and to grasp what you have for us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And Father, I just pray for our guests that are here that they would especially uh, feel and sense your presence. And that there would be a word of encouragement for them. In Jesus' name, amen. This uh, past week, um, I'm leading one of the other uh, community groups as a result of uh, Cindy having uh, been quite ill for some time. Glad to see you here, Cindy. Yay. Um, Just this week, she's been six, eight weeks? Yeah, something like that. Just this week, it finally turned around. And uh, we're excited about that. But anyway, I was uh, leading uh, her group, and I had proposed the week before that we do kind of a question and answer kind of a thing. Hey, you've got the, you know, the senior pastor here. How about we just try? You guys bring your questions you got about the Bible or whatever. And uh, one of the uh, individuals in the group had a, a very good question. They uh, asked about the, um, you know, the uh, issue of the Middle East and what does the Bible say about the last times and... and um, so I, you know, the first thing I said was that's a, that's a really big topic and uh, it is not easily answered. Uh, there are books written about that and, of course, uh, lots of people doing a lot of uh, speculation through the years. Um, one of the things I mentioned is that the primary literature that many get their understandings from are revelatory or prophetic, such as Revelation or, or Daniel's pictures. And so there's, uh, it's, it's a little hard 
uh, to deduce as much doctrine as we often do from some of those materials. But I said probably if, if, we, could, if we could get an understanding of the end of this age, I would advocate that the clearest place we can get that from is Matthew 24, verses 1 to 31, from Jesus' own lips. And uh, Jesus spent in uh, that first half of that chapter uh, very clearly describing some of the conditions and elements and things that are going to happen at the end of the end of the age. Because we're already in the end of the end, right? It's already the end, but it's not yet. Anyway, that was all last year we were teaching on that. But it's interesting to me that after Jesus spends those 31 verses highlighting and talking about the end of the end of the age, he then takes a chapter and a half, in my opinion, and describes how we should respond to that information. What is it that we should do about the fact that at some point there's going to be an end of the end? And in a nutshell, if I could summarize, he identifies just three Principles, not principles, three concepts. The first one is be alert. Um, He says beware in the book of Mark. Keep awake. Be ready. And and all of there's there's parables that are in there, numerous parables that he uses, but they all have uh, those kind of elements of readiness and alertness and awake. And I'm I'm really not, if I could just sort of say, I'm really not sure why that's crucial but it's really crucial. Um, it's just really clearly crucial that we need to be, as Christians, alert. The other main theme that is throughout all of that chapter and a half is that while we are waiting, we are to be about the Father's business. We're to be about doing what Jesus did, serving others, loving others, caring for them. And I want to highlight the very last section of material from this is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And I want to read this in its entirety to you and then uh, just spin off from that briefly. Here Jesus has spoken about the end of the end. He's talked about uh, what we need to be doing while we're waiting for the end of the end. And then he culminates these chapters by describing the great judgment day. And he says this in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And I'm reading from the New International Version. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these of mine you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, it is easy to look at that passage and believe or identify something about good works being what gets us into heaven. I mean, that that is a, a natural um, thing to consider or think as a result of the passage. But that's not what it's saying. That's not what it's about. Clearly, in the New Testament, we are understanding that the way into the Father's home, heaven, is through Jesus, what he did upon the cross, what he did through his resurrection. What is happening in this passage is this is the culmination of the last two and a half chapters. He's talked about what we need to be doing as the righteous ones. Who are the righteous ones? Is it those who do good? Is that what the New Testament says? No. Who are the righteous ones? Those who have been made right through the blood of Christ. Those who are his followers. Those who have believed in him and accepted his work upon the cross. Those are the righteous ones. And what Jesus, I believe, is saying in this text, and I could be wrong, I'm not a theologian, but it's what I was grasping, is this is what the righteous do. They do what I did. They heal the sick, they cast out demons, they clothe the naked, they feed the hungry. That's just what righteous people do. That's what my people should do. I want to jump to... Another passage, again a long one, but if I could, Deuteronomy 15, very powerful passage, verses 4 to 11, Deuteronomy is way back in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, or something like that in Spanish, Deuteronomy, yeah, anyway, 15, 4 through 11. Again, reading from the NIV. This is in the midst of the giving of the law. It's in the midst of um, how to live life in the kingdom uh, according to um, that season and that era and that time. And um, God is speaking. He says, however, there should be no poor among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will rich... I'm sorry, this is Moses speaking to the people. But of course speaking the words of God. Sorry, I'm going to start over. However, there should be no poor among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God. And are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. 
you will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought the seventh year, the year for canceling debts, the year of Jubilee is near, so that you do not show ill will toward your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy. There is a key to kingdom living, which is the principle of giving. But here in these passages, particularly, is being referenced the key of giving to the poor. Now, I recognize that it is a challenge to understand how do we do that. But that we're to do it is really clear. Let me read my last few texts. These time, this time out of Proverbs. You may want to just listen because I'm just going to kind of run through a number of Proverbs. 14.31, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. 19.17, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. 21.13, if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. 22.9, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. In Proverbs 28.27, he who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. And I would like to advocate that we, uh, especially we in America, especially we Christians, in America need to figure out how to give to the poor. It's not an easy task. I understand. And we face a variety of types of thoughts in our heads as we approach the corners where they are looking for hands outs. And are they really poor? Are they not really poor? Are they really needy? Or what are they going to spend it on? And all those kinds of things. My friends, there are poor people here in our city and around the world. And we need to figure out how to do that. Now, it's interesting in the passage that giving to the poor is a part of it. But even visiting those who are needy, even those who are in prison, those who are in hospital. So those are a little easier. I mean, it's pretty easy to go to the hospital and find a sick person. Bill does it every week, right? Uh, Bill is, uh, works with a missionary with Campus Crusade for Christ out on, uh, um, which base? Fort Sam Houston. And he goes out to the variety of hospitals to visit the sick there and pray for them. But I, this morning, this afternoon, whatever day and time it is, um, would like to uh, share with you a friend of ours 
who is, uh, has found a way for him to be able to fulfill this key to the kingdom of giving to the poor uh, that uh, Claire and I became aware of over the last uh, few months. Uh, Dave uh, Osborne, who I'll bring up here in just a moment, uh, we met him in May. Uh, he was uh, one of the ministry team for uh, what is called a, a pastor's sabbatical, uh, where they bring uh, hurting and uh, broken pastors and their wives for two weeks to minister care and love to them, fully paid for by the Association of Inner Churches. And uh, this last year, Claire and I were one of those couples that was broken and beaten up and was welcomed to come and be a part of that uh, Sabbath retreat. So we did that. Dave was one of about seven uh, team members that were there to love us and uh, give to us and share with us. And so we had the opportunity to hear a story. He was uh, in, in back in country uh, this last uh, month or so and uh, in email com- communication found out that he had the ability to come here. He also ha- uh, is a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist, has worked a lot with men. And so we did a workshop yesterday afternoon. Uh, with uh, men related to uh, sexual challenges and the issues of the day that we face and how are we going to deal with that. So we had a great time uh, last night with a dozen or so of us. It was very, very good. Don't ask me to name them because I can't and you don't want to know anyway. And you'll know if you weren't there, of course. So, But anyway, uh, Dave uh, brings a tremendous uh, supply and I uh, just want to uh, give him an opportunity to share. One of the things that our board of trustees is currently doing is looking to identify some ways and places where we can increase our missions giving particularly. Uh, we've got a couple of missionaries that we support, one in Hungary, one in Ukraine, uh, that we've supported uh, for quite a while. And uh, then we're looking to also add a few others. And so we wanted you guys to hear uh, from Dave and what he's doing. We're very, Claire and I are very excited about uh, what he's doing there. He has found a way to extend care to the poor and to as well bring uh, Christ to them and see them discipled and uh, made into uh, leaders for God. So it's a great work. Dave, why don't you come on up and uh, share with us? Thanks. Well, it's a real privilege for me to be here. Thanks for letting me take some time and be with you. Uh, Randy said I had to be done by 9.30. Is that right? What's so funny? Oh, till Tuesday. Here's a woman of God willing to stay till Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, bring your sleeping bags. I uh, went to, to Kenya back in May for one month to visit some friends of mine that I'd worked with at a boys' home out in California. And you'll see their picture in a little bit. And uh, God did some work in me, and uh, he's called me to go back. Benjamin, are you set up? Okay, great. Uh, I'd like to show you some pictures here. This is uh, a Muzungu. And- Mzungu in a snowstorm. Uh, that's me on my boda boda. Um, can you can you all see everything? I, I can't see anything besides these lights. So. Okay, now I can't see any of you. <laughs> Is there a compromise somewhere? Okay, I just like to see the people I'm talking to. 
that, that's called a boat a boat, and that's how I got around. And that's my transportation and, and my translator, Isaiah, on the back. The next shot here is a Kenya bicycle shot. I just had to take that for my mountain biking buddies. That's the parts house there on the right where they're fixing them. And up in the tree, they'd have a couple tires hung up. And the next shot is the pastor of the Kisumu Vineyard uh, Church. That's John Abuao. And we're out in the countryside. That's overlooking uh, Lake Victoria. And Kisumu, the city uh, where we're at, is on the other side of the lake there. Next shot. Uh, Just a couple of these here are just some of the Kenyan uh, countryside. Yeah, there you go. And the next one. Yeah. This is the old vineyard church. They had to tear it down because they were building a road through here. pastor's wife got a call that the bulldozers were coming. He was out of town, so she's scrambling to try to salvage whatever they could of the building. It's just a tin shack with a dirt floor. But they got a new church. Uh, next slide is the uh, pastor and his wife. And the next one here, that's the new vineyard church. Okay, are you impressed? Uh, you know what? Uh, they're thankful that they've got a bigger church. You know, again, it's just a, a tin shack, you know, with a dirt floor. But they're grateful. The next shot, they don't even own the property. Okay, they're just renting the property. These are some of the shots inside. Next shot. And the next one. Uh, up front, yeah, that's the pastor. Notice the woman's scarf. You know, I don't know, maybe the only scarf she has. But where could you wear a scarf like that, you know, and be accepted except in the vineyard? Huh? <laughs> if, if you're not aware, it's a marijuana leaf on her. Uh, <laughs> okay, next shot. Uh, kids worshiping, uh, next shot. Uh, they have this really neat ministry to some of the orphans. They have a little nursery school, and they just volunteer. And it's a free service that they they supply for some of these little kids. So there's just two or three shots of these little kids. It was so fun just just to hear them because they learn, you know, like they'll repeat after the teacher. And it was just really neat to hear them. Give them a little snack. All righty. That's Steve and Diane, my friends that I went to visit last May. And uh, they have a ministry to the children that live on the street. They go out early Sunday morning, and then they go out on Wednesday morning. They'll play some games with the kids here. They're playing little bowling game uh, those are empty uh, liter bottles of coke and uh, the next shot shows them they're bouncing this ball up in the air i don't know where steve got that little parachute thing the next shot i just took of the kids clothes uh, i just thought man you know can you imagine wearing something like that uh, the next shot was a, a kid they they take chalk and they like to draw on the sidewalk some of them are really quite artistic and they like to write their names. It's, it just means so much to a kid if you remember their name. Sometimes they'll ask you, do you remember my name? And if you have a memory like mine, it's oh, sorry. Uh, so Diane would write, start writing their names on a piece of masking tape, you know, so we could remember their names. Uh, this boy, if you notice a little bottle that he's got hanging out of his lip, uh, a lot of the kids are addicted to glue over there. And it's glue uh, that they use for... Uh, gluing on the soles of shoes. And so they, I'll talk more about that later, but that's what that is. Uh, The next shot, uh, they make these uh, checkerboards and they play with bottle caps. The next shot, 
part of the ministry is ministering to their bruises and their cuts and just sharing the love of Jesus in that way. The next one is another shot of that. The next shot. Uh, then after after that time, they gather them together. They they have a time of singing. You know, a lot of the kids just love to sing. They'll bring some little drums and and let them drum on these uh, pots or pans or or jugs or whatever. And then they'll share the gospel with them. And then after that, they take them out to eat. Here's the restaurant. How many of you guys want to go out to eat to the restaurant after the service today? We we didn't eat there. Uh, the next shot shows inside. They just give them some, you know, simple little food, some beans or some soup. And they cook outside on an open fire. You know, there's flies flying all over, you know. But kids appreciate having something to eat. The next shot to some kids, and and these little kids are gambling. And so many of the kids are are malnourished, and so they actually look younger than they actually are. But that little kid just caught my eye. He just looks so, so young. The next shot is a shot of him close up. And uh, going on, uh, these kids are gambling again. The next one is, this is Alfred. And Alfred's just a, a, a neat kid, but he can't speak and he can't hear. And he's living on the street. The next shot is, uh, this is like early in the morning, okay, Sunday morning. We go down to this empty bank parking lot, have the outreaches. And some of the kids would just come and kind of crash and, and take a nap. So I'm assuming that they didn't sleep too well the night before, and maybe they felt like it was safe uh, with what, whatever was going on to be able to get some sleep. The next shot, um, you can see that little bag. It's like a burlap gunny sack. And if they have any possessions, they might carry them in a sack like that. And then some of the kids will sleep in, in that sack uh, like a sleeping bag. Uh, these kids uh, were rummaging through the trash. And uh, the next shot here is another uh, one of that glue. And uh, the glue, um, I had one little boy, he said, I can't sleep uh, unless I have glue. And so it helps them not feel cold, it helps them not feel hungry, and it helps them to forget about their pain. And, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, that's so stupid. You know, you, you can talk to a kid and, and you can say it destroys your brain cells. Uh, Steve has offered kids um, a sandwich if they'll trade uh, him for their glue bottle and they won't trade. And I can say, well, why wouldn't a kid, you know, trade a bottle of glue, you know, for something to eat? You know, it doesn't make any sense. But that's the sad nature of addictions is they don't make sense. They're not logical. You know, why would people throw away, you know, their family or their job or, or whatever, you know, for their addiction? Uh, they don't make any sense. These are just some of the shots of the kids. Uh, see, he's got it under his shirt. You know, they'll be taking hits off of the off of the glue bottle that way. The next shot is the kid. He's watching everybody play soccer over here. And I would see kids with the glue bottle hanging out of their lip while they're running around playing soccer. And if you take a kid's glue bottle, like some of the older kids, you know, would steal a glue bottle, the kid would start to cry. I watched a 17- or 18-year-old kid start to cry because somebody took his glue bottle. It becomes that important. The next shot is just him close up, and then the next one is some of the older ones. And sometimes the older ones will get into marijuana and alcohol as well. But it's just... a and unless God heals their mind, the glue does permanent brain damage. 
this is Patrick, and Patrick, uh, one of the other older older guys, accused Patrick uh, one morning at the outreach of raping a dumb woman, and Patrick didn't appreciate being exposed, and so he picked up a rock and uh, was going to do serious damage, and pretty soon the other guy's picking up rocks, and so we <laughs> got this is scary stuff, you know, serious stuff going on. But fortunately, uh, God allowed nobody to get hurt. And I, I offered Patrick one day. Oftentimes they'll they'll come up, you know, they're asking for some shillings or something to eat. And I said, Patrick, uh, you know, would you like to leave uh, your addictions? Would you like to follow Jesus? And he said, Oh yeah, I would. So there was a Christian rehab home uh, in in the town there. I said, Well, you know, we could take you. Uh, right now over there and his answer was well maybe in a few days so I don't know what his reasons were you know but there's some kind of strongholds in his life that uh, having a place to to sleep having regular food to eat having a roof over his head uh, that that didn't connect you know with whatever he does on the streets or whatever his addictions are the next shot, uh, we uh, would go into this uh, empty lot sometimes to wake up the boys uh, for the outreach. And we walked into this empty lot, and this boy was sleeping in the trash here. <sighs> he had malaria. And uh, so we prayed for him, you know. I don't I don't know if God healed him or not, you know. A lot of, a lot of times I'd pray for people and... You, know, you never see him again, so you don't know if God uh, is doing anything or not. Uh, the next shot is uh, uh, one time uh, we walked over to that that alley, and then a, a guy took us down through some of the alleyways, and uh, we came into this alley, and here's a kid, and he's bending over. They just throw garbage out in this alley, and he's picking up food out of the trash, and he's eating it. And there was a group of kids around this fire, and they've been eating on this pig slop on this uh, plastic bag here. And I just I didn't have the heart to take the picture uh, with the kids in the photo, so I waited till they left and then took this picture. And I'm walking out of this alley, and I I see a kid across the street, and he's coming up from a hole in the sidewalk. And I go. It's, you know, it's, it looks like he's just waking up, and I'm thinking, this is kind of weird. He must have been sleeping down there. And I, and I wanted to take a picture, but I just didn't have the heart to. So I waited till he got up. I walked over, and I looked down. And this shot here, uh, this next one, is uh, I looked down, and it's the gutter uh, that's running underneath the sidewalk. Yeah, he'd been sleeping uh, down in this gutter where, I don't know if it's sewer, or, but... Just up the road, it smelled like a urinal uh, in the gutter. And it just broke my heart. And uh, I just said, oh, God, and I've got to do something about this. I had been praying for a call from God for like three and a half years. <laughs> I won't go into that story of where I was and what I was doing. Uh, but I went to visit my friends. This is four days uh, before I'm getting ready to come home. And God takes me to this hole. I've, I've been, you know, in other countries, and I've seen a lot of poverty. I've seen, you know, street kids. And so, you know, I've been impacted, you know, by that before. But God took me to this to this hole in the sidewalk, and it's like, boom. I, I just got to do something about it. 
And I look at it as kind of my 10-second window. I, I could have been 10 seconds sooner and uh, walked by him and he would have come up behind me. I could have been, you know, 10 seconds later and he would have been up by the time I, you know, got out on the street and walked up there. And so God just wants me in Kenya. <laughs> and so he took me to this place to, to, to give me a call. And so that's why I'm going back. The next shot is uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline sells shoe soles. Is that... Uh, ring any bells or cause any concerns uh, with anybody? Guess what else she sells? Glue, yeah. She's a widow. She has two daughters. I'm thinking, how can a mother with two girls sell glue to children? You know, what's wrong with this picture? Uh, Jacqueline was singing in the choir of the Catholic Church. Uh, what's wrong with this picture? The next shot uh, shows Jacqueline the jug of glue is what she would pour when the kids bring their bottles. She'll pour some of that glue depending on how many shillings they give her uh, for however how much glue they want. So my first, there she is with one of her customers. My first response, you know, when this is like the second day, uh, or yeah, I think the second day I got there in September, I went for three months. My first response is to read Jacqueline, you know, uh, a nice little speech, you know, about how lame she is, you know, selling glue to these kids and throw her in jail. Uh, but the guy that was translating for me had already done that. <laughs> and she just bribed the police, you know, was back on the street again doing her thing. And so I just love it, you know, when God does something, you know, in me and through me that, you know, I didn't plan on doing or it wasn't my first reaction, you know. And so, you know, I sat down and asked Jacqueline, uh, you know, her name. And she didn't want to talk to me because she was angry at this guy that threw her in jail. And I asked her if I could pray for her. And she said, I don't want anything to do with your God, you know, because she's angry at, the, at, at this guy that was translating for me. So I went away and, and God just gave me this idea to buy her a soda and something to eat. And so I went back with a soda and something to eat and sat down and gave it to her and she started talking a little bit and let us pray for her. And I just kind of started a relationship where I could go by and say hello and pray for her and, and then started, you know, she, she wanted me to pray for her. And uh, then she started coming to the vineyard and, and God was just like convicting her, man. Like I'd, I'd show up, she'd be pouring glue or something, she'd see me and, oh man, it's like, she, you know, she'd chase the kids off and other kids would come to to buy glue and she'd shoo them away, you know. <laughs> it's like uh, you could just see, you know, that she was really convicted. So anyway, uh, when I left, uh, got her uh, into a place where she was willing to do something else. And uh, so she was going to start a restaurant business. That's a nine-foot-by-nine-foot nine uh, metal building that she was going to use as a restaurant. And something happened uh, with that, and so... It hasn't gotten off the ground, and she was selling clothes uh, for somebody else. And uh, my friend was concerned that she might be selling glue again. So I'm kind of confused as to where she's at right now. But if you'd remember to pray for Jacqueline, uh, God's been working in her life. And um, really, she has training uh, in cooking. And so I'm just hoping the Lord will let me hire her someday, you know, to cook for the kids uh, for the program that we set up. The next shot is Jack, and Jack, you can see, is crippled, and he repairs shoes. 
uh, Jack used to sell marijuana, and so he's kind of been on and off with Jesus. Um, but uh, he started coming to church again. And one day, um, we're there with Jack, and there's a bench right off to the left, and a couple boda boda drivers were sitting there, and we're talking with Jack. And I had this sense to pray for Jack. And so I read him the account uh, in John 5 of Jesus going uh, to the pool and seeing the guy that had been lame for 38 years and uh, prays for him. And I said, uh, Jack, do you think Jesus could do that for you? He says, yeah. Okay, so I'm, work, I'm you know, going with a translator here, okay? And so I grab him, okay, I said, Jack, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. thinking, man, the translator must be watering this down, you know. It's like, you know, Jack is still still sitting there, you know, nothing's happening. Now, I don't know about you, you know, you guys, you probably pray for people all the time, and every time you pray, people get healed. You know, just there's something about me, I think, you know, it just doesn't work like that. But I really don't like to look stupid, you know. That's what been one of my problems is fear of what people think of me. And so, like, I could be witnessing uh, to Mercy, you know, because she's such a pagan and she needs Jesus so badly. Uh, but I would be afraid of what Priscilla would think of me if I'm witnessing to Mercy. You know, it doesn't make any sense, you know, because I don't, may not know either one of them, but the enemy has just used fear, you know, what people will think of me to keep me, you know, from just moving and, and walking and doing what Jesus wants me to do. So, okay, I put myself out there. I thought I, you know, was following what Jesus asked me to do, and Jesus didn't, didn't heal. Um, so it's like, doggone it, you know. That's not the first time I've done that either, uh, and the guy didn't get healed. But, but Jesus told me in John 14 that if I have faith in him, that I, I will do what he was doing. Okay. I'm convinced the enemy doesn't want me to pray for the sick. I've seen God do some things, you know. Uh, like maybe I have a headache anointing or something, you know. <laughs> if you got a headache, you know, I've seen God heal head pain and that kind of thing. But you know, I want to see the crippled walk and the dead raised and, you know, all, all, the, all this kind of stuff. But I haven't been able to see that yet. So when I have experiences like this, uh, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, may, you know, maybe God will use Randy or, or Clara or, you know, some of these guys that, you know, got to hang around with John Wimber, you know, but, you know, I didn't have that opportunity, so, you know, I'm probably just not going to be able to, you know, operate like, like some of those guys do. And so the enemy, you know, comes to me with fear, he comes to me with discouragement and, uh, and shame to keep me from pressing in. Okay? Jesus said, I will, if I have faith in him, I will do what he was doing. Would you like to love the way that Jesus loved? See? If we have faith in him, we will. It's not just like, well, I like to love a little bit the way that Jesus loves. You know? Would you like to give the way that Jesus gave? Well, I'd like to give a little bit. You know, One of the hardest things for me over here was having people come up to me constantly asking me for something. Oh, you know, uh, could you give me that bicycle? 
uh, could you buy me one of those bicycles, you know, so that I could, you know, start a boda boda business? Uh, you know, I saw you uh, from the library. I was in the library, and I saw you over here, and I came over here. Could you help me with my school fees? Because I'm from America, and so the assumption is is that I own a bank. And I would tell people in my country, I'm not a rich man. Nobody believed me. Because how do you how do you fly on an airplane to get over here if you're not rich? You know, uh, compared to them, I'm stinking rich. You know, the the poor in our country are rich compared to 47% of Kenyans are unemployed. And a lot of them just live hand to mouth every day, you know, just working to get enough money to have the food to, to feed their family. And so, you know, we have so much. But I found that I like to give. See, I like to give to the poor if it's on my terms. You know, if not too many people ask me, you know, if I'm not pressed, if, if I don't have people continually coming up asking me for stuff, or I give them something and they want something more, they're not appreciative of what they, they, they get, then I like to give. <laughs> you know, I'm just so into me and, and uh, you know, I just, I just need more of Jesus, you know, more and more and more of His heart, or surrender more of my heart to Jesus, however you want to look at it. And, and so, you know, I think Jesus really wants to perfect a love in me. And uh, so I think that's part of the process maybe of why he's taking me over there is because, you know, can I become the kind of man that if you come to me all day long continually asking me of things that I can still respond to you in a gracious and a compassionate way. I cannot turn my head away and try to pretend like you're not there. Yeah, I've done that too. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to be bothered. Can, can I continue to extend uh, the love of Jesus? Well, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I give Jesus time to deal with my heart, right? Spend lots of time with him. Uh, the next shot here is uh, somebody that's never used a camera in their life. <laughs> the next shot uh, is uh, this man is dying of AIDS. He's living in a wheelchair on the street. Next shot. They may have just uh, got him into... Uh, with one of his relatives, though. This guy just wraps plastic around himself and everything's hanging out. He walks around town just begging. The next shot, this is Caroline, uh, really sad. She has lymphoma, is on uh, the children's ward for the HIV cancer uh, ward for kids. Uh, very sad place to be. The next shot, these are some of the leaders. Uh, God impressed upon me that if I could reach some of the leaders of the kids uh, and 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 Jesus could change them, man, what a team this would be, you know, to, to help reaching the kids. And so I was challenging these guys if they'd like to be part of a leadership training institute and they'd like to leave their addictions and follow Jesus, they're tired of what they're doing, uh, to become a part of this. And God just granted me favor, you know, with a lot of these guys. And so I'm looking forward uh, when I go back to establishing a home for about a dozen of these guys. The next shot, uh, you just see that one guy Pictures all are focused, but you know, 19 or 20 year old just leans his head over on my shoulder. The hunger for a father, uh, somebody that cares about him. The next shot is a guy named Sammy. I met Sammy on my first trip, and he would walk down the street like this because he'd lived on the street for 10 years, been sniffing glue, and had an electric shock. We were able to get him into a Christian rehab program, and this next shot is him 
six months later. And I love to just watch Sammy worship <laughs> and watch him dance. And he still shakes him, but man, it was worth going for Sammy. You know, it's just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, for, there he is doing a little workout, you know. And uh, the next shot is uh, that's just a building that my, you know, that my friend wants to get, you know. And But if you could have something like that where the, the leaders of the kids could be on one floor and you could have staff on another floor and another floor would be for teams, you know, like from the San Antonio Vineyard, hint, hint. And, uh, you know, you could have another floor for, uh, you know, just renting out, uh, you know, to help support the ministry, something like that would be kind of neat. The next shot, Kenya has his own Santa Claus. He has his own sleigh. The next, next shot, unfortunately, sniffs glue. And uh, the next shot is uh, Kennedy. Uh, he's always just wasted. The next shot, another kid. Next shot, yeah, I think that's about it. One more, maybe? Yeah. So anyway, I'm going back, uh, hoping to plant a vineyard, get a couple nationals that can help me do that, and so that we can say to kids, hey, you could stay at our church, and they'd have a safe place to sleep uh, where they wouldn't be beaten. The police beat the kids. That's one of the reasons they go down in the gutters is because the police beat them. So the police ain't going to follow them down in the, down in the gutters. And, um, and as they come into this place, so we'd like to be able to pray for them, invite churches in the city to come, pray over them while they sleep, asking God to heal, to break the strongholds in their lives. And as they want to leave the street, we'd like to get a farm outside of the city where we could take them and it would be like a transition center. And in this place, they'd stay there maybe six months to two years, and they'd get disciple, get prayer ministry, get counseling, uh, learn how to work, you know, instead of just beg and steal, and uh, give them a, a skill that they could take uh, so that we could move them back with a relative, perhaps. That's the, the country's first preference is to get them with a relative or move them in with a local church family. And... Um, and if that doesn't work, to move them into an orphanage would be the third possibility. So that's kind of what we're up to, and uh, thanks for letting me be here. Dave, you, you um, just I think one clarification that I think would be helpful for me, and then when you say living on the street, I mean these people have all these kids, all those older ones, they have no home. Some of the um, the leaders um, may rent a house in the slums, so like they pay two to four dollars a month for a mud hut uh, with no running water or electricity. Um, many of the kids sleep on the street, and there's various estimates. You know, I've heard anywhere from 250 to 300 that are actually sleeping on the street to 3,000. Uh, but an organization that has been there for a long time says there's probably only 250 only, <laughs> 250 to 300 that actually sleep on the street. But then you have 3,000 that come in from the slums every day. Their parents actually send kids into the, into the downtown to beg. So then they can get caught up, you know, in the street life. So. Any other questions for Dave? The question was, um, what's the name of the city? That 3,000 has to be just a city, not the country. That's just one city. It's Kisumu. It's uh, the third largest city in Kenya.
about 220 miles west of Nairobi. Nairobi, I have no idea how many kids live on the street in Nairobi. I mean, it's just many more. Any other questions? Yeah, I'll, I'll get there. Yeah, Matt. Real loud so we can all hear. No, they, they just sniff it. They inhale it. Yeah, it gets them high. Um, a lot of them, uh, their parents have died of AIDS. Uh, they have a, a deal over there called wife inheritance. So like if a wife's husband dies, then the brother is required to inherit her and uh, or her children. And so he may be in a position where he can't even afford to feed his own family. So he gets this new wife. He doesn't want the kids. And so he may chase them off or he just may treat them so poorly that they run away. Uh, caning, you know, like with a bamboo cane, has been quite popular. Still happens in Kenya. You know, husbands beat their kids, they beat their wives, and it's been illegal, uh, but they still continue to do it. So if a kid gets beat or something, he may run away uh, from home as well. Okay. Yes, ma'am. They, you don't see the girls, uh, but. Uh, I've been told that that doesn't mean that they're not there. A lot of them come out at night and participate, you know, in prostitution. But there's a big problem with girls as well. Yeah. So it'd be neat if we could have have both. But my contact so far has just been with the boys so far. Yes, ma'am. No, it's Christian. It's Victory Outreach. If you ever heard of them. Yeah. Did you have a question there, Justin? Or? Oh, okay. Justin. <laughs> Relative cost of the glue is compared to food. Uh, depending on how much glue you get, you can get five shillings to twenty shillings worth of glue. Yeah, that's that's like one day's. You know, I was told that the potency is about you know, four hours or so. So five to 20 shillings, you can buy a chapati, which is like their tortilla, for 10 shillings. So if you're uh, taking, yeah, a couple, uh, you know, you could have something to eat. But there are food programs. See, people are going out and, and having food programs so that they can get food, they can beg, you know, they can steal, get something to eat. So oftentimes the addiction takes priority. Going once. Mark? The conversion rate, um, 80% of Kenyans claim to be Christians. Okay. Now this is the country that was rated number three as the most corrupt nation in the world. It might be down to number eight or nine, but it's in the top ten of corrupt nations, yet 80% of the country claims to be Christian. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> you know, uh, So they have lots of crusades. You know, People pray to receive Jesus, um, but doesn't, fortunately it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of discipleship in allowing them to really follow Jesus and become like him. So there's corruption in the government. There's corruption in the church. 
There's corruption in ministries. You got people that will start orphanages just to get money, you know, and then they don't take care of the kids, and so it's uh, just. I'm so thankful we don't have corruption in our country. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. Uh, my guess is probably not much. Uh, you'd have, I was, uh, I would go by and pray for some of the different glue dealers, and I had been visiting some, and I was talking to some of the kids, and a police officer walked up and had a little conversation with the glue dealer and walked off and... <laughs> Thinking, what's going on? You know, they, they don't do anything about. Don't seem to do anything about the problems. Um, as I mentioned earlier, just stay here. It's hard for us to know how to pull it off for ourselves in our own country. But there is this expression. Dave is an incredibly responsible man. Uh, now with a call, uh, starting off, and uh, I would like us to consider. Partnering, I would like to begin that tonight by simply passing the baskets around again. Uh, if you have a dollar bill uh, in your wallet, and if you don't, um, drop your credit card in. We'll be happy to use it for you. <laughs> he does need to get back to Kenya, so that would be helpful. Um, so we are going to pass the baskets. Um, also, as I mentioned, it is our heart to... Uh, be partnering with Dave in some way. We're, we're praying, we're looking for the Father to uh, release funds to be able to do that. And so if uh, you're interested uh, in in partnering in some type of a monthly way, um, if you could just let us know and we can uh, get that process uh, connected uh, so that he can be having uh, that additional support. Yes, I think for tonight... Uh, that'll be fine. Write your checks. Uh, just, your cash will work just fine as well. Uh, hundreds and five hundreds are most useful. Don't make a five hundred dollar bill. Okay, put the thousands in then. Mark. That's true. Uh, it was kind of more like bi-weekly, but maybe we can uh, get a piece of paper in the back, just laid out back there. We'll find a piece of paper, and if you want to just jot down an email address and a name to go with it, probably that'd be helpful. Some of you guys have. You could send it to me, and I can pass it on as well. I'm Randy M at VineyardSA.org. Is your simple at all? Your email. Dave Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E, 5-0 at hotmail.com. Dave Osborne, 5-0. But you're not 50. You were once, though. <laughs> and I will be soon. Be warm, be filled, God bless you. <laughs> Dave Maria, could I have the uh, board members come up, please? We're going to...
pray for them. I'm just using this team because you don't know who this team is very often. And in churches, sometimes it's known who the board of trustees are and sometimes it's not. Uh, this isn't uh, all of them, but it is uh, most of them. Donna's not here tonight, I guess. And then um, she's with the kiddos. And then uh, Matt Anderson, uh, one of my son-in-laws, uh, who is a business consultant, is also on our team. So gather around. We're going to just uh, pray for him and bless him. And um, take a minute, if you would join us uh, in prayer for Dave. Um, how's your neck, Dave? He woke up with a kink in his neck, so I prayed for him, and uh, that's cool. Any of you that want to use the mic to pray are available here. Father, we just thank you for um, a man who um, has heard you and has said, uh, yes, Lord, send me. Lord, we are all uh, people of unclean lips. Uh, Not a one of us is righteous on our own, uh, but all of us, as a result of Christ, are righteous ones and have had our lips and our hands and our minds cleansed. And we thank you for this set-apart one, a holy one. And we welcome your provision for the vision. Hey, you can use that one. We do, Father, in this starting stage. Lord, any uh, team members that you would raise up uh, to partner with him, whether that be uh, those who can come short term, whether that be uh, those who are can go for uh, lengths of time, we just welcome, we just welcome, Lord, those that you would call to come alongside. Father, those in the country that you're going to bring to him, these uh, men who, these team leaders, uh, street leaders, Father, redeem, heal, mend, sanctify, make holy, set apart. We welcome you. Lord, one of the things you have promised your children is that you will return everything that the enemy has stolen. And so right now I speak to everything that the enemy has stolen throughout Dave's life. Every relationship, every dream, every provision, every blessing. And in the authority we have with Jesus Christ, we call those back now. We call call those back for the purpose of of this ministry and for the purpose of encouraging Dave and making your love just very, very, very um, present to him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just bless what you're doing through Dave, Lord. And it, it seems like such a huge task, but as he steps forward one foot at a time, Lord, I just pray that you will um, provide him one coworker at a time and that another one will come in and another one will come in and that those will be able to reach one and two and three and then that will grow to three more and and it, you, you'll, your works will just multiply, Lord. And I just pray that um, nothing will be lacking, Lord, for him to be able to fulfill this vision, this calling. Lord, I just ask that you help him to 
be patient and not try to get ahead of you. But, Lord, I do pray that he will see those limbs grow and those blind eyes open and the dead brought back to life, Lord, and that the kids that are brain damaged, Lord, that their brains will be healed and they'll testify to the healing power of Jesus. And the kids that are dying of AIDS will be raised up whole and and well and families restored. And, And, God, just through the the faith of one man and his tenacity to not let go of the vision and just show each of us where we can step in and and assist him. And, and Lord, just um, provide support, not only financially, but just um, emotionally and and spiritually so that that when the going is, is sometimes feels overwhelming, Lord, just provide what he needs there, Lord, for encouragement. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for the uh, passion for these people that you have stirred up in Dave and that uh, there is an obvious clear call and that he doesn't thank you that Dave doesn't have to wonder why he's going over there. He knows. And Lord, just, but I thank you that before you called Dave that you stood in that spot and you looked in that same hole and you stood there and you wept. And then it was that place of your heart breaking that you have now transferred into Dave as his heart breaks over these people, over these kids. And Lord, I just stir up um, a tenacity in him that every time that he prays for someone and he doesn't see results, he would be, he would come back and pray stronger for the next one. And that he would never be discouraged, just bind up any kind of discouragement that would come his way. But Lord, we just release whatever it is that might be hindering the expression of authority in Dave. And I just. You see how you love Dave and his obedience and your uh, spelling of faith being R-I-S-K and Dave stepping out in faith and taking a risk and he's going to go over there and lay hands on those kids and I just say right now, I just decree into the spirit realm right now that the spirit of addiction will flee from Dave as he does warfare with it one child at a time. And there will be a turnaround in those in the dealers and in the kids and 
everyone associated with that. And Lord, just uh, we just speak a turnaround into the whole economy of Kenya and the whole spiritual atmosphere in Kenya. We stir up additional intercession on behalf of Kenya as days go by. In Jesus' name. Father, I too thank you for uh, the passion, but I welcome compassion. It is by and through compassion that Jesus did his greatest miracles. And Jesus moved with compassion, raised the dead. Jesus wept over the loss of a dear brother. And Lord, we just welcome compassion. And all that you have stirred in me and released up to this point, I release into Dave now. Dave, I just release to you a heart of compassion. I've seen you as a man who weeps. And greater will be your weeping, but greater shall be your reward. And greater will be the victory. Father, we welcome uh, protection over his physical body over every cell in his body, every organ, every limb, from the top of his head to the bottom of his soles of his feet. Lord, we just welcome uh, your mantle of healing, that he will not uh, incur uh, any disease, any infection in any way, that he can um, be confident of your provision in the face of those things that um, will normally take away life and can be confident that they will not harm us. And so we welcome that mantle of healing over his own body and protection in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this opportunity to have known him and know of him. Might you stir us to partner with him there and with you here in applying the key of giving to the poor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us all. I hope that was encouraging and helpful to hear of something the Father's doing. Um, we always, at the end of our uh, service time, provide an opportunity to, to pray for those who might be sick, those who are struggling, some challenges, difficulties in your life. Uh, we believe that the Father is here, His kingdom is present, to bring healing, restoration, um, even to break the grip of confusion and darkness that might reign over you. So we would love uh, an opportunity. We'll have folks up here that would like to pray with you, talk with you. Um, If any of you uh, want to speak to Dave, he'll be hanging out, and uh, you're welcome to do that uh, with him. I don't think he's got a dinner appointment yet, so if anybody uh, wants to take him out to dinner, I think he's available. Uh, Make sure you feed him really good, though. Let's see, we've been to Los Palapas and Faras. Uh, Rudy's is still needs to, Zio's works, yeah. Okay, anyway, bless you all. Thanks for coming. Look forward to seeing you next week. Make sure that you check out the community groups if you're looking for a place to connect. We would love that opportunity to meet you there. God bless.